0: welcome to the minority trailblazer podcast and i'm your host greg e hill the culture change agent on this show we interview young successful minorities in a variety of fields to educate empower and inspire our current and future generation leaders and as y'all already know we got a show for you today i'm excited i mean um. Mm, 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 mm. If you enjoy world traveling, if you enjoy waking up and working wherever you want to, if you ever wanted to quit your job and just travel the world and be you, I mean, get paid to be you and let, let's get a little deep because I mean, sometimes. If you if you don't listen to the end of the show, you miss how real the show gets. So I'm gonna be real. If you ever suffer from anxiety or or depression while reaching your dreams and your goals, this episode is for you because I think sometimes we get it twisted when we when we when I interview successful people and whatnot, and we don't touch like we have anxiety too. Like cats, everybody's in the same. I'm preaching right now. I'm preaching right now, but I'm just gonna get into the bio of this guest <laughs> and we're gonna, we gonna, we gonna get into the show, Right. So, after silently suffering from anxiety disorder and depression, she quit her lucrative co- corporate career to backtrack through Asia solo for three months. She then created Racheltravels.com, a travel blog dedicated to empowering the young black cultured to travel and experience the world a florida native she is a two-time graduate of florida a&m university um that is a brief 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 bio but i'm excited because she has my namesake and she's just a wonderful vivacious black woman so um, without further ado i would like to introduce rachel hill to the minority trailblazer podcast welcome to the show
1: hello thank you so much greg namesake for having me on your <laughs> podcast i'm very excited to be
0: here mm, i'm excited to have you and we are just gonna jump right into it if you are new to the podcast our show is broken up into three parts three parts the first we're gonna dig into the past like before she started traveling the world backpacking for months on end, and getting paid just to travel like i still don't understand how that works but before all that yeah. we're gonna show how like what is her story. The second part, we're gonna talk present day, like what does a day look like, because we see a lot of online entrepreneurs and people that are traveling the world. But I'm all the time looking on Instagram, like what is their day look like? What do they do all day? Um, so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna peek into that. Then we're gonna talk about the future, the future of a website, the future of a brand, and the future and what her dreams are, because um, I think that's very pivotal and important. And then the last round, we have a culture change round where we ask a series of five questions rapid answer to see kind of pick a brain on her books some of the blogs she reads and just her general interest so um you know at the beginning of every show we started off with a quote and a story from our featured guest so rachel please share with our minority trailblazing nation a quote that you live by and a story how you apply it to your everyday life
1: I would say a quote that I live by every day is to never take anything personally. Um, it took me a really, really long time to uh, to really understand that. And it's I guess it's a quote, but it's also one of the four agreements if you've ever read the book. Um, but I found that not taking things personally and taking yourself out of a lot of situations and realizing that a lot of things that happen are part of the journey or may not be a direct reflection of you helps me to move past a lot of challenges and insecurities and doubts really, really quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, And it happens in in my daily life where I'm constantly putting out fires, you know, as an entrepreneur, I'm sure you're very familiar with this. Mm -hmm. Things happen that you're not expecting or you're aware of and you're, you know, constantly putting out fires and Meeting with people and networking and, and different things like that. So just don't take things personally. It's all a part of the journey. You know, take it as a lesson and, and move forward.
0: Mm. And you already know my dad's. What was the last fire you put out?
1: The last fire that I put out was probably this morning. I just secured a social media intern and a, another virtual assistant. I found that within. Since the beginning of the year, I've been scaling my business, two of my businesses up, and I've just been so overwhelmed trying to do everything on my own. So, you know, everything from small grammatical errors and newsletters and, you know, trying to manage social media and not, you know, having it automated that I want and just having trying to control too many aspects of my business. um, I finally, you know, put that out this morning by hiring somebody who does it way better than I can.
0: So yes, that that is that is that is encouraging. I'm in the same kind of boat, Um, but yeah. Now this is your chance. It's the first part of the show. I'm giving you a soapbox, and on this soapbox, you're gonna stand on this soapbox, and you're gonna share. Your story before, before corporate America, before leaving your job and getting into the fun stuff, traveling the world and having two companies that have interns. Share with us kind of who you are, who is Rachel Hill, kind of where you come from, your background. And this is this is your light. The spotlight's on you. What's up?
1: Gosh, you make it sound like so much pressure. (laughs) No, it's all good. So hello, everyone. My name is Rachel Hill. I am originally from Orlando, Florida. And let's see, I, my parents still live in Orlando, born and raised there. I went, actually, let me back up. So a lot of people want to know, like how I became, came to love and be so passionate about travel. And my love for travel actually came from when I was a little girl. I Still read books a lot now. I read about four books a month, but I've always loved reading. And I love reading because it took you to different eras in, in history and it took you to different places around the world. And as a little girl, I always promised myself when I had the opportunity, when I was older, I would go see the very things that I read about. So when you're reading about the Great Pyramids, I was like, I want to go see the Great Pyramids. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? When you're reading about coral reefs and, you know, the Great Barrier Reef, I was like, I want to go see that. I want to go touch those things and see it for myself. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's where that passionate love for travel stemmed from is just, you know, reading and having a child's imagination and just, you know, traveling through that. And it's always just been in my heart. So that's where the love for travel came from. Um, and in high school I actually was in an international studies magnet program and I think that just kind of kicked off everything because mm-hmm. throughout the the, inter- the magnet program we had an opportunity to travel to Italy and we also had the opportunity um, it was about 10 of us This is in to- high school. This is in high
0: school. Wow. Yeah, I was in
1: a hey, you an were in international high
0: school in oh, Orlando, Florida.
1: Yes, in Orlando, Florida. Um, and it like I said, it was international studies. So we studied world religion. We studied languages. So I had to take Japanese. In high school, I took Spanish. You could have taken Latin, Russian. There was like a gamut of different languages you could have taken. So I did Japanese and Spanish. Um, and then again, you had opportunities to travel internationally. Uh, We had uh, guest students come and exchange students. So I was a part of an exchange program where I actually spent a month in China. So that was my first travel experience at 17 years old. Mm -hmm. I spent a month in China. So we went to Beijing. Mm -hmm. Um, We went to a couple other um, smaller cities Mm -hmm. and we went to Tibet. Mm -hmm. So from there, I've just Quick question I- I before, to you even, before you
0: even get there, before you get there, how was that month in China at 17 years old? Take us there because I've never been outside of Montreal. So as a 17 year old and you're in China <laughs> for a month, like t- t- if you share quickly, um, maybe a-, a story or just what would that experience was like? Bring us there.
1: Absolutely. So this is, mind you, 2004. So this is before the Olympics and before the World Expo. So essentially the world had not been in China. And if you know the history of China, it's a communist country. So there isn't a lot of, at the time, a lot of international Western travel. Mm -hmm. So a lot of places we had gone, it was myself and another young lady who was also African-American, but we were the first black person that many people had seen, especially in the smaller towns, right? Mm -hmm. So it was just very interesting going in and and people wanting not only to take pictures with you, but want to rub your skin. And at the time, I had braids in my hair. So, you know, here I am, 17, young, black, braids, and I'm in these small towns. And I was living with a family, Mm -hmm. so it was a very authentic experience. Um, But that was, I think, the first time I realized that there needs to be more of a black presence in the world. Like, why am I in a pocket of China? And they and I'm the first black person that many people have ever saw in 2004. Mm. You know, so I would say that was probably like when I realized there was a need there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a, a great experience. We had a chance to go to Tibet um, and meet monks and, and go to wow. Tibetan royalty, uh-huh. um, to a, the house of a Tibetan... Um, Prince and his wife, mm-hmm. which is amazing. Um, like I said, I live with a family, so I ate Chinese breakfast and lunch and dinner. So real Chinese
0: and, food, not not general souls, not 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 not. Not, all the, not
1: the stuff you get it from the corner store, <laughs> the, the four wings and the fried rice. It was nothing like the mumbo sauce. No, <laughs> it was definitely not like that. The food was amazing though. Um, so just though that experience was definitely a turning point in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, I went on to Florida a University where I studied business. I got um, my bachelor's in management and I got my MBA in marketing. And I went on to work for a fortune top 50 company, top 100, top 50. I believe it's still the top 50. Mm-hmm. I had a great career. I had probably the ideal life that society tells us we're supposed to have, right? Mm-hmm. Like I graduated from college. I went and got this, quote, good job. I had an amazing salary. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a very full social life. I was living in New York at the time. Yeah, I was running around and getting it, right? So um, then I had an opportunity to transition to Philadelphia. So on the outside, I had this amazing life. I was still traveling, you know, with the two weeks of vacation that I got, right, Mm -hmm. (laughs) every year. Um, But I literally was so miserable on the inside because I was like... Is This cannot be the life that God has for me, that I'm, you know, chipping away at metrics and reports, you know, all the time. And I'm overworked, unappreciated and technically underpaid for the amount of work that I was doing, Mm -hmm. working on the weekends. Were you an analyst? Um, What
0: what, what, what were you you doing? uh,
1: So I was an IT project manager. Okay. And so I was in charge of um, I actually had two different roles. One role was um, because I transitioned every year to different roles. So one of the roles was in digital marketing, Mm -hmm. which was amazing. I got a chance to develop apps and um, work on websites. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a really, really awesome experience. But if. Within corporate America, if they are doing cutbacks, the first thing they'll cut back on is marketing. Mm-hmm. So they downsized our department, and then I moved over into um, a true project management role, um, where I was overseeing the a portfolio of uh, about twenty. IT projects. Mm-hmm. And so within that role, I basically was putting together metrics, reporting, analytics, and then reporting that to the vice president of our um, department. And so on the outside, it sounded very prestigious and technically it was, but I was just really, really miserable. And I realized that it got to a point that I knew I needed help mm-hmm. when I, you know, did this great presentation for our vice president. All the directors were there and, you know, all these great people were there. Mm-hmm. And I left the meeting. I went to the bathroom and I literally had a meltdown. And I was like, this is not cool. I'm 27 years old. I have this ideal life. But why am I so sad? Why is this? Why are these things not making me happy? And mm-hmm. I realized I was living. I had this facade of, you know, what people thought that I should have and what I thought that people wanted me to have, but it just wasn't making me happy. Mm -hmm. And so from then, I decided to go see someone. I went to a therapist. I know that's like really taboo in the black community is like seeing a therapist. Mm -hmm. Most folks will tell you just pray it off or, you know, whatever. But anyway, I went to go see a therapist and I took some time off of work. And it was at that point just taking a step back and really sitting with myself and being honest with myself that I wanted to get back to the things that really made me happy and really made me feel alive. And I knew that was travel. Travel always made me feel alive and happy and you know, allowed me to gain clarity about different things. Mm-hmm. And so after that, I was like, you know what, Rach? If anything, you have these degrees. And you're super-duper intelligent. If you need another job, you can find another job. Uh Let's quit. Let's travel. Let's regroup. And then we'll go from there. And so I I ended up quitting um, my very comfortable lifestyle in July 2014. And I backpacked through Southeast Asia by myself Mm -hmm. for three months. I went to eight different countries within Asia three months backpacking by myself. I met some amazing people. I had some amazing experiences. I became a scuba diver. Um, I laid with tigers. I met um, monks. I went to the countries that borders had just been open five wow. years ago. I had all these just amazing experiences and so much clarity. And, uh-huh. and I just kind of walked. That was when God revealed like my purpose and, mm-hmm. and how I can do, I don't have to live by the constraints of society. And if I just trust him, then everything else will just fall into place. And, you know, even to this day, it still holds true. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how, you know, and then from there, I started Rachel Travels initially, um, while I was backpacking to keep my family and friends abreast of, you know, my experiences and that I was okay. Because obviously everyone was very concerned that I had just left an almost six figure salary. And I was Going to Asia by myself where I knew no one. So I know everyone was pretty nervous about it. Um, And so I just started the blog, just kind of like, hey, guys, I'm cool. Look who I met. This is an experience I had. And from there, you know, people started reaching out to me about, you know, me doing reviews and coming to stay at their hotels. And it just kind of opened up all these opportunities. And from there, I became Rachel Travels.
0: Mm, That is a story. That is a <laughs> look at God. <laughs> I yes. love that. Like, and the, the two <laughs> questions I wanna I wanna ask. Um, the first, I always ask my entrepreneurs, what was the last straw when you said, Okay, I gotta quit my job? Like, cause I like what what was that moment where you said, was it the was it the moment where you delivered that presentation, or was it a moment where you said, This is it? Because I note is hard. Because you I mean, I'm not gonna put your salary at that, but I know you was making a lot of money. And life was life was life was okay. I mean, of course, you had some down moments, but then you had those moments where you 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 at the city and you're not worrying about when okay when when you're at the bar or running up a tab or buying something or, or treating yourself. And so it's like I know there was some bad, some emotional stuff, but what was the last straw? You said, okay, nah, I can't do this anymore. Let me leave.
1: I think it was. It kind of started off with the, the emotional meltdown in the bathroom, right? Mm-hmm. I think at that point, I was like. No, it has to be a better way than this. Mm -hmm. But I think it wasn't even a... I would say that's probably the last straw, but the moment that I realized I could do this Mm -hmm. without having to go to corporate America. And like I said, I think... Not I think, I know that everything has its purpose and everything falls into place if you just stay faithful, mm-hmm. is I ended up meeting this young man in Bangkok at our hostel. And he was like 24 years old. And he was like, yeah, you know, I spent six months in Ireland because he was from Ireland. Mm-hmm. And the other six months I spent traveling the world. And he was like, you know, I have an online business. This is what I do. And it was me meeting him on a the most random way possible. He just happened to be sitting at his computer and I asked him to watch my book bag as I had to run to do something, I think to pay for a coffee or something like that. Happened to start talking to him and he is the one who kind of put into my mind, like, you don't have to go back to corporate America. This Mm -hmm. is how people are out here living and traveling and doing the things that they wanted. So I would say the meltdown was the last straw, but I was encouraged when I just happened to meet this random individual who just kind of confirmed all the things that I finally knew, Mm -hmm. um, that I could do. So it it was just like a a divine intervention. I've never talked to him since then. So (laughs) it it was just kind of like something that I guess just needed to happen. So I, I would say that was probably the point when I knew that I could do it.
0: Because that is that is powerful because, I mean, of course, everybody some days I mean, I know some of you might be in your jobs like, man, I'm not really into this. I want to do something else. And you're about to quit. But I think it was really important that when you, you met one person through, through God or through a random uh, uh the act in. He showed he was a benchmark, a blueprint. Like it can be done because if you quit your job and you have no blueprint or you don't see it can be done, then I'm gonna tell you it's gonna be very difficult for you if you can't, if if you don't see anybody else doing what you're doing and, and making a living from it. Absolutely. And so you had that confirmation. You're like, yo, it is possible. Like, it's real out here. People are really doing six months and then six months traveling well and then making money from it. So I know that was very a major key to it. And let's let's just, just jump, jump right in. What has you what was your first year like in business? I know, like and when you said, OK, now what I in order to eat, I must kill. Like there's no going to a supermarket and, and getting right. stuff pre-made It's like. How I'm going to eat, I have to go out here and get it. So walk us through as an audience your first year as an online – not online, just an entrepreneur in general.
1: So my first year was pretty interesting because although I knew in my heart I could do it, and I had – and I joined, like, a program to kind of, like, walk you through the steps of starting an online business. Mm-hmm. I would say my, my first year was lots of trial and error, lots and lots and lots of trial and error. Stories. And just reverse – You know reverse engineering and building. You know I I felt like you know I'm I'm really smart. I've worked in corporate America. I know a lot. I have all these great experiences. But I definitely took the first year to learn as much as possible, listening to lots of podcasts, reading tons of books. You know following a lot of the gurus who are who've been doing it for years and studying their methods and reading the books that they were reading and joining their free webinars and. And teleclass and different things like that. Um, but definitely in my first year, it was just kind of establishing my brand, establishing confidence that I knew exactly what I was talking about. Um, it was, it was a lot of building for Mm. sure. And I think that's true for most, um, entrepreneurs is, you know, you know that you could do it, but just being confident enough and learning and building that foundation and constantly be growing. And I, I think that's true in any aspect of your life, right? Mm -hmm. Like you constantly want to grow and learn and there's someone who can do it better than you. So you need to be learning from those people, studying from those people. Um, So the first year was definitely a lot of trial and error and reverse engineering. And I would say even still, I'm still taking risk and, you know, reverse engineering. And, you know, this worked for me. Let's see if I tweak this little bit here, if it'll work. Um, So the first year was, it was interesting. It definitely was quite a journey. And there was plenty of days that I'm like, you know what? I might just have to go back to corporate America.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's so much easier. You know, I'm guaranteed a check every two weeks or, you know, whatever, and guarantee some health insurance and different types of insurances and investment plans and things like that. Um, I experienced a lot of that in year one mm-hmm. that I do now. Um, but like I said, it was a journey. It was fun. It was frustrating. It was challenging. But, you know, that's how year one typically goes for most people, I would
0: think. That's the name of the game. It's crazy. They said about like entrepreneurs think about, or just in general, before you quit your job, think about health insurance. Like, because I I didn't, when I first quit my job, I didn't think about health insurance. And I'm like, yo, if I'm on this trampoline or I'm hooping, I turn my ACL, that's a hundred thousand dollars. I'm at the bank. Like, it's, it's right. real out here like people <laughs> go and yeah foreclosure uh, bankruptcy like health insurance is real you take it for granted when you're in corporate but when you out of corporate you realize how much it really cost it ain't 140 a month that you getting it i'll be mad like seriously i get my check i'm pissed i see a hundred dollars for health insurance i'm like bro, i ain't even sick but when exactly I got it, when oh my I got,
1: god i have a, yeah, such a funny story with it yeah
0: like uh, share a story, please, please do, because I I don't want to I want to I want to make sure we're gonna talk high level about certain things, but I do want to dig deep into some real stories so y'all can realize how real it is just in general, because everybody bringing the show. I don't want to just like I don't want to just talk. Okay, boom, boom, boom. Like like, share us a story with that.
1: So as far as health insurance is concerned, I was working for the number one health like I would say pharmaceutical healthcare company in the world. And so my health insurance was amazing. I wasn't paying a hundred dollars a month. I was paying like $20 a month in health and dental. And we had, you know, a clinic on camp- on every campus. There was a doctor and a nurse and all this stuff. And granted, I was never sick, but just the thought that if, for example, I ended up um, getting sick at work. And I just went down to the clinic. They wrote me a prescription. They checked my vitals and different things like that and sent me home. And I was like, oh, this is cool. This is normal. Right. Mm -hmm. And then the first year as an entrepreneur, I literally did not have any health insurance, any dental insurance. And so the only way that I was able to get seen Um, Luckily, I still had my health savings account from when I was working. But the first year, I was praying every day, like, I hope I never get sick. Mm -hmm. You know, I changed my eating habits. Um, I started looking into, like, holistic ways to, you know, heal, um, you know, if I had, like, a cold or something like that. And so it was really tough when you kind of have that, like, security of having that health insurance. If you need to walk into a doctor and get a checkup because you have the flu or, Mm -hmm. you know, the pink eye or, you know, whatever you have, you know. Versus year one, I didn't have any of that stuff. And I just refused to pay $250 a month for Obamacare because I was just not sick. I was There was no way I was going to pay more um, for health insurance than my business expenses. And that was just, like, my thought process. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, I'm never sick. So, I'm not gonna spend this when I could be investing two fifty and in, into my business. Uh-huh. Now, I'm in a place where I do have health insurance and dental insurance, and Amen. I'm so very grateful for it. But, you know, those are the kind of struggles that you or the challenges that you have to you know decide on as an entrepreneur. Do I wanna use this money to invest in myself and to my business uh-huh. or into something like, health insurance, whether I need it or not. And then I was like, okay, when I file taxes, what's going to happen to me? Am I going to have a penalty because I didn't have health insurance and grateful I, I don't have to pay a penalty for it. But you know, these are the things yeah. that you have to make these type of decisions about so, as an entrepreneur. So, mm-hmm. yeah. you know,
0: I got you. I got you on that. And, um, a- another question, what, if you can share, if you can share with us, um, your your best travel experience thus far and I was going to wait to the present round but I just wanted to kind of hear your perspective right where we're in this we're in this space right now what is like what, what has been your 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 best travel experience and what has been your worst travel experience because i'm interested i always love to hear these stories
1: so i would say start with the, be, my, start with the worst first you want to start with the worst first yeah okay so as far as the I To be completely honest, I don't have any like absolutely terrible stories where I was like almost robbed or kidnapped or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I would say one thing that was probably the most interesting, maybe not worst, is when you go to China and this happened and I've been to China twice. I went in high school like I mentioned um, at the beginning of the podcast, and then I had the opportunity to go again while I was in graduate school. And it was funny to see the difference because, like I mentioned, in high school, this is before the world had been to China, before the Olympics, Mm -hmm. which is literally every country in the world comes to China and the World Expo. And then going in 2009, I believe we went. And so this is after the Olympics, after the World Expo, right? Um, So then now being black in China wasn't necessarily as big of a deal or as cool to see i would say Mm -hmm. but the thing with china is that you know i I would say in most western cultures staring is considered rude Mm
3: -hmm. or
1: you know taking pictures without asking is considered rude and and the chinese people culturally they just don't see it that way Mm -hmm. so you know they try to take you know photos of you They think it's discreet, but it's not discreet (laughs) or, um, you know, want to come up and and touch you or will stare at you and point and talk, talk about you. Um, So I would say that's probably if you aren't aware culturally about it, then it could be probably an adverse experience um, because you think people are looking at you as if you're a zoo. Um, but it's more so a cultural thing. And the Chinese people treat everybody like that. That's not Chinese. I have a friend who's Russian um, and another friend who's German. And we were talking about our experiences in China. You know, one girl is blonde hair, blue eyes. And she had the same thing happen to her where people were taking pictures of her and pulling her hair and different things like that. And then the Russian girl, um, oh, excuse me, the German girl had the same experience. So I wouldn't say it was because I was black. Is more so because you're not Chinese mm-hmm. or you just look completely different that they treat you that way. Mm-hmm. So that's just probably, like I said, something that will make most people uncomfortable if you're not aware. Um, as far as my best travel experiences, um, there's no like one story, but I would say every time, every single time I return to Africa, um, I just came back from Morocco uh, earlier this week. Um, but I meet people who look exactly the way that I do or like my mother or someone that I know in my life. Mm-hmm. And they're always so very welcoming, like welcome home. You know, oh my goodness, you look like my sister. Oh, you look my, like my aunt. And this happened to to us in Egypt. This happened to me in South Africa. This happened to me in Kenya um, and recently in Morocco. And I would say, um, as I just returned from Morocco this week, I happened to be in, a, in one of the souks, which is a market. And I went into a little shop that was making custom linen and curtains and things like that. And the guys who owned the shop were these these black men. Mm-hmm. And if you know about Morocco, it's considered the Arab world and the an Arab country. So most people look, um, they look Arab. Um, but these guys were black and they were my color. One of them gets up and he's like, oh my goodness, you look like, someone from my village. And I was like, oh, you know, where's your village? And he said, in the Sahara Desert. <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh, that's so awesome. And so we were talking and we're taking a picture. And, you know, I was like, you know, talking to them. And he was like, well, welcome home, my daughter. And I was like, oh, Okay, thank you. So that to me is like one of the best feelings ever to go across the world, mm-hmm. on the other side of the world, and be welcomed home. And like I said, it's happened to me in Morocco and every country I've ever been to. They always, you know, want to welcome you home and, you know, say like, oh, you look like somebody I know. And so it's just an amazing experience to see how we're worlds apart physically, mm-hmm. but genetically we're the same and we look the same. And you can see if you guys go on my Instagram account, RachelTravels.com, you'll see a photo of um, myself and the two guys um, in the in the shop. So... It's pretty cool. We do really do look alike, so that was funny for me. <laughs>
0: that's 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 crazy. That's crazy, and it's crazy. Like you get so much love all the way across the world, but you in Atlanta right now. You go to a wrong street in Atlanta, and they 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 won't even look at you. Like I will I be running. I'm running on the treadmill. I'm I'm waving at cats and cats to give me look. Like you do you exist? <laughs> I'm, that's right? Just, like, who the, you
1: waving scur- at? <laughs> it's
0: discouraging. I mean, every morning I get up and I'm running. I'm waving. I'm saying good morning. I'm looking people in the eyes. Good morning. I mean, some people are like, yeah, yeah. And some people are looking straight through my soul. Mm -hmm. It throws me all off. It throws me all off. So we're about to end this round. But before I end, I want to always ask my guests, knowing what you know right now, what would you tell yourself five years ago?
1: Knowing what I know right now, I would tell myself five years ago is to learn as much as possible. Um, Don't burn any bridges. And again, not to take anything personally. Um, like I said, this is a, a lesson that I've learned within the last year and a half or so. But to not take it personally, it's all a part of the journey and to embrace it. And I think a reason why I was suffering from anxiety disorder and depression is because I was taking everything and being taking everything so personally and, and like, you know, I'm working so hard. Look how much, um, look how hard I'm working. Look what I put together for you and you still don't appreciate it. And so that played a huge part in my psyche and what I thought I could deliver or couldn't deliver. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would definitely say to trust yourself, trust your intuition and not take things personally. It's a journey, just embrace it, take the lessons and not the, the people that come with the lessons.
0: Mm, I love that. Take the lessons, but not the people that come with the lesson. So we didn't get a chance to talk about it um, on the first part of the show. And and as we kind of transition, I definitely don't want to make sure we miss this because I think it's critical to your story. Can you share with us how you got through and, and some of the things you learned dealing with anxiety and depression? Because that's some things that we really don't discuss a lot. And um, the, 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 the people in the, the colored community, minority community, but as well as just in general. And, and it's, we always take it from a, a slanted lens when we think about depression so and, and anxiety. So could you please just kind of share your story a little bit in that, in that perspective?
1: Oh, absolutely. So um, like I said, I had what most would consider the ideal life or the, the life that is supposed to be like the life you, you aspire to have you know, after college. And it wasn't until, you know, I like I would say the first year after graduating, um, everything was good. You know, I'm just out of school. I have this great salary. You know, I have this beautiful apartment and, you know, I'm in the city and going to brunches. And it it was good until, you know, uh, I started working and I'm like, You know, this is not really what I like to do, but you know, it happens. People tell you sometimes you have to do the things you don't like to do in order to do the things you want to do. And I'm like, okay, I guess that makes sense, right? (laughs) You know? Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until like kind of going through the motions, right? I was going through the motions and I felt like I was on autopilot and I wasn't producing anything of value. Um, And I knew that I've always wanted to do something that was helping other people. And I think a lot of times we always say we want to help other people, but I just knew my purpose was tied to helping people get to a certain place. Mm-hmm. And I just felt that in my life, I wasn't walking in purpose. And I think if you're truly tied to your purpose, and if it's something you want to pursue, you'll get those tugs and those pulls in your spirit and in your intuition, like, there, there's more than I could be doing in this life, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, there was a point where I had went through a bad breakup and then my job was just, you know, overwhelming. And I had, and I happened to be in a department where, um, long story short, the the department or the entity of the company that I was working for was in trouble with the FDA. And so we had to do a lot of different, um, Mm -hmm. things to like get us up to standard Mm -hmm. and, you know, audits and things like that. So I was managing, I was doing the work of three different individuals Mm -hmm. And on top of like a bad breakup and, you know, bills and, you know, all these different things were just like piling up. And there was moments where I I think the anxiety started where I would be typing and my heart would just start beating out of my chest to the point where I could hear my heartbeat in my ears. And I'm like, okay, that's probably not cool, you know, but okay. And then, you know, there would be times where I would slip into what I now know is depression where, you know, I was just, I just went to sleep. And the things that I love doing, like working out and traveling and reading, I no longer wanted to do anymore. And mm-hmm. so that's like a sign of depression. And at the time I just thought I was just tired and, and overwhelmed and, and things like that. And then, like I said, um, e- or even like waking up and you know, can't sleep or having like, you know, disrupted sleeping and waking up and my heart is beating fast. And I'm like, I just woke up. Like, what am I thinking about that's making my heart just beat out my chest or, you know, driving to work and just, you know, feeling like I wanted to vomit those kind of things that, you know, after a while, I'm like, this is probably not normal. Mm -hmm. You know, like most people, you know, you shouldn't feel this way. Um, going to a place that you're supposed to be at for the next 30 years or something like that right mm. um, and it wasn't and like I said it wasn't until I had that major meltdown and on top of that and I think this is really what a lot of us deal with is that because I had this facade of being very happy and you know having this lucrative job and you know having this great position and you know having all the things checked off, And I was trying to hold it together for everyone else. You know, Mm -hmm. your family is proud of you. Your friends are proud of you. You look really cool on social media. And I just wasn't feeling any of it, you know. And so I think it was after that, like I said, that meltdown, like my returning point that I was like, "Mm, this is. This is not cool. And I was going to church and I was journaling and doing all that stuff. And mm-hmm. I felt like it, you know, it was helping. Prayer helped I, definitely and obviously. Um, but I just knew it, it was going to take a little bit more than prayer and people praying for me, mm-hmm. for me to get past that. And so that's when I, um, you know, started going to therapy. And uh, and I refused to take medication.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so in order for me to opt out of taking medication, I either had to take medication, which I wasn't really with, or go see a therapist. Mm-hmm. And so I opted to see someone who was completely unbiased, who wasn't my family, who wasn't a friend. Because, you know, your family and friends want to um, protect you and tell you all the things that you want to hear and, you know, kind of coddle you. And I needed to talk to someone who didn't have any invested interest in me, you mm-hmm. know, um, it, it, an emotional Um, invested interest and so that definitely helped me and then i was able to take some time off of work and really figure things out from there and so i think taking that opportunity to to go to a therapist and taking time off of work and taking time away from the toxic environment that i was in that was perpetuating all these negative thoughts and these feelings of anxiety definitely helped me um have some clarity around what my next move was going to be
0: That's that's powerful. Thank you for sharing that. And um no what I got out of it was three th- I mean, a couple of things. The first thing being um the self the self assessment piece. Like that's critical. And I think sometimes we we get so caught up in, in life that we just we're moving and shaking, we're moving and shaking, we're moving and shaking. We never step back and self assess. Or we're in the opposite end of the spectrum where we're just not doing a lot. But when we're not mm-hmm. doing a lot, we're not using that time to self assess. We just chillin'. So right. that self-assessment piece, and the second thing is you got unbiased feedback. Right, that's critical. That's critical, especially when because you know your family members they can only take you but so far because they, they got your heart, but you have people that do not care. They but they have they, and they're they're trained to do it. Because I think that's why God allowed people allow college to train psychologists. Like that's why right. they're here. Like they did not, they didn't just exist out of no reason. That's why they're here. This is their job. So of course you seek the word, but the word allows you to have that, that confidence to know yet, yeah, yo, I can't, I need to get help outside. of Right. Like, because I mean, those people, a lot of those people go to church too. They believe in God too. They're not just here. Nah, that that's, that's a part of the whole plan. So you had that confidence that God told you, to, yo, you need some help in you. And then the third, you took action on it. Like you took right. action on it, you said, "Okay, this is a problem," you and I need to get it addressed, and I getting feedback. So let me take and then now look where you are now as far as that mental clarity. So um, that's a great, great thing. So let's transition to.
1: Wait, it, can I say something before sure, um, we sure, transition? Sure. I was I, initially I would say within the first year of my business me talking about my anxiety disorder and depression was something that I kept to myself. Right. Um, even my parents didn't even know, um, that I was going to therapy for a while because I didn't want them to worry and be like, why are you going to the therapist? You know, your friends or anything like that. But I definitely think that me being very open and honest about this part of my journey has catapulted me, um, even further because it just shows that I'm just like everybody else. You know, Mm -hmm. a lot of people suffer from anxiety disorder or depression or... And, you know, there's different levels to depression, right? There's like mild and then you get all the way to severe, right? Mm -hmm. And I think all of us kind of deal with anxiety or depression on some level or another. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think for me and for anybody else, you have to be really authentic with your story and what you went through to get to where you are now. And like I said, initially... I was still kind of like holding on to that facade, like, yeah, I quit my job and look, I'm traveling the world now, which is cool. But then when I got really real with myself and with other people, like, yeah, I had to quit because if not, I was like spiraling down emotionally. And it was because I dealt with this, you know? So I think it's really important um, if no one takes anything else from me with this podcast is just to be authentic to yourself and your story and the challenges that you face to get to where you want to go and to where you are now.
0: Man, I love that. That that is a that's a major key right there. I'm glad you brought that to attention because <laughs> uh, I guess I, I don't like to do on no a podcast, but I'll step on a soapbox real quick with that because I think that has been my God-given gift is transparency, um, and that's what allowed me to with the blog, with my blog, with my speaking and everything else to just fast track a lot of the things I do. Because I got that next gear that a lot of other people in my niche as far as speakers and bloggers don't have because they're afraid to look bad. Like, you mm-hmm. see, we know it all the time, especially in our minority community. I'm sorry if a few of you listening right now that you only, you look at their Instagram and it's only popping, it's only popping shots. It's only in the club. Right. It's only looking good with your girlfriends. It's only you getting awards and accomplishments. And people like it, but a lot of people really, they don't, they really, a lot of, that's why they ha- people have a lot of haters because you, you don't have that common touch. And I see it so many times with speakers and and people that have their own businesses. The reason why they're not, they're, they're, a lot of times they reach a glass ceiling because they're not transparent. They They don't bring us in right they don't bring us in they just show us the popping stuff but i will say this if you're going to show us the popping stuff it better be grade a quality and constantly like traveling the war <laughs> right they don't gotta yeah. they don't gotta share no struggle story because everything they post they have a, they have a it, it's a brand and it looks amazing so it's whatever but if you're gonna be a subpar speaker or or a subpar entrepreneur and you post your accomplishments and they don't even look good. Like the branding is all off course. So get straight with your core. Like when you want to be a speaker, you want to start, start with your core. Cause that's, what's going to be your differentiator. Like they're like, I rock with Rachel Hill because even though I see her all across the country, I can follow her snaps. I can read her comments and say, yo, that's real. That's real life. That's deep stuff. Mm-hmm. I can relate. Absolutely. So I want to call her. I, I like say, I want to call and do business with her because I know she's just like me. Absolutely. So I think that is a key, like we can do a whole podcast on it, but it's like the, the, the a key, thing, key thing I want everybody to think about and take away outside of, of course, being all is is what is the difference? What is your difference? Right. Like, think about what, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a student, if you're a parent, what is your difference? Like what is different about you than all the other parents or entrepreneurs and whatnot? And once you find out, does everybody else know that's what's different about you? Absolutely. So they, because everybody know when you bring Gary Hill, you're gonna bring energy, you're gonna bring passion, and you're gonna bring honesty. Because I lived it, I said it, I did it, and I have proof. And I don't, I don't, I have that gear. But a lot of other speakers, and not they,
1: ashamed about it. You're
0: not ashamed. So definitely, like I said, I know. Let me get off the soapbox, but really think about <laughs> it. Really, please. What is your difference? what is your difference if you're a student are you, yeah okay cool 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 this ain't it this ain't. yeah <laughs> so let's get to the fun part let's get to the fun part let's get to your niche your sweet zone your sweet spot and that is the present so explain to our audience what do you do right now like what is what is like what do you do what is what is racial travels blog and your your business like what 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 keeps food in your table <laughs>
1: Okay, so I mentioned that I have two businesses. So before, well, let me say this. So I started with the Racial Travels blog, right? And a lot of people, the question I get all the time, almost every, a couple of times a week is, how do you travel so much, right? I know that's like the the big question. Like, what are you doing that you're able to travel? So I have the travel blog, and there's different services that I monetize on there, via coaching sessions. I do um, some monthly workshops on there sometimes. I have a subscription service, so I monetize my blog. And but before starting, officially starting my second business, I was doing business coaching and consulting. Mm -hmm. So as I said, I was an IT project manager. And I was like, you know what, if I'm smart enough to run multi-million dollar projects, I can do this on my own, right? Like I have the skills, I have the confidence, I know what I'm doing, I know what I'm talking about, and so that's how I keep food on my table, and that's how I'm able um, to travel. Travel is not expensive. I know we're going to talk about that um, in some upcoming questions, I'm sure, mm-hmm. but that's how I'm able to pay my bills. I mean, I still, I still have bills, y'all. So <laughs> the consulting, you know, the consulting and co- business coaching is um, my primary source of income. Um, And then the blog. So I have Rachel Travel's blog. And then I also do the business coaching now, which is an official entity. And it's called Mm -hmm. IHiredMe.co. So if you're interested in a business coach, I, I help people tap into their passions and tap into their skills and create online empires. So Mm. Getting started, you know, if you go to my site, I still have a couple of tweaks that need to happen, but that's essentially what I'm doing. People want to know how I'm able to do it. Instead of me saying, you know, I have online businesses, I do consulting, I'm going to show you how you can do what I'm doing.
0: Mm. Okay, so I'm about to put you on the spot. All right. Uh-oh. Uh oh. So, you know, so, <laughs> all right, I'm new. I'm I'm working a 9 to 5. I don't know what my passion is, but I come to you and I want to make money. I want to find my passion and make money. What are the first two things I do?
1: So the first thing that I like to tell my clients is what were your childhood dreams? Right? Because when we were little, you had all these dreams. For me, I wanted to be a marine biologist. I wanted to be a dancer. I liked Technology and computers and all this stuff. So I like to do an exercise where you write down your childhood dreams.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so you can tap back into to those things. And then also write down everything that you are really, really, really good at. And that you can talk about for hours and hours and hours for free. The stuff that you talk about for free and that you know about more than anybody else. Mm-hmm. Like for you, I'm pretty sure you could talk hours and hours on leadership and public speaking and all this amazing stuff. I don't know much about public speaking. I have a speaking engagement coming up and I'm just kinda like, okay, I'm not sure how this is gonna work. Like I'm gonna, <laughs> you know, put together my, my talking points. Um but I also can talk about traveling and how to travel authentically but really inexpensively for hours with anybody. Mm-hmm. So we kinda talk talk about those things and tap into that and then talk about ways that we can monetize that very information mm-hmm. and so essentially with online businesses you're selling information right mm-hmm. or they call it information products or information services whether that's through coaching and consulting whether it's through e-courses ebooks workshops different things like that so we kind of start there mm-hmm. and then you know roll into you know once the we out what your, yeah the rest of the
0: stuff and to to that point um let's take a step back with the blog so how did you first start monetizing your blog? Cause I wanted to get, I wanted to ask you that in the, the first time, but cause I know, all right, we got, all right, you, you quit your job, you're an entrepreneur now, everybody. Okay. But how, what was the first step you say? Okay. Um, to start charging and then how did you calibrate what should i charge because that is the that's the number one question that i know everybody asks me and that i try to find out myself and honestly there's not a lot of blueprints out there there's not a blueprint but share what's your story as far as when you said okay now i want to start charging and then two when you really started to monetize and, and, and know your worth
1: okay so as far as rachel travels blog i was in the same boat i was like ah I don't know how much I'm supposed to charge for various services. Um, one of the first ways I started monetizing my blog is through um, sponsored um, posts. So essentially, hotels or businesses, restaurants, whatever, will come to me and say, hey, can you feature us in something and we'll pay you? And so initially I didn't know how much I was supposed to charge for a sponsor post. Do I charge 20 bucks? Do I charge a couple hundred? Do I charge thousands? And you know, like, like you mentioned, the, it ranges, right. Depending on how many, like how much traffic your blog gets, different things like that. So that was one of the first ways that I was able to monetize my blog and then eventually I got into – I created a subscription service called Racial Alerts, which technically – basically I have an assistant who does this. But finding all the best travel deals that are out there and texting the people on the – texting my subscribers um, – the best deals, right? Mm-hmm. And this could be every day, this could be a couple times a week. But I found that people wanted to know, like, okay, how are you able to travel so inexpensively? And it's because I'm able to find these amazing travel deals or these glitches. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times people end up missing them because they pop up at awkward times during the day when you're probably at work, you're in a meeting. And I realized people don't necessarily check their emails all the time. I mm-hmm. know I don't. I check my emails twice, maybe three times a day. Mm-hmm. But you Te- you check your text message, text messages most of the time of the day. So yeah. I have it where we'll text you the deals versus emailing it. Mm. So that was another way that I was able to significantly um, monetize my blog. And then I started doing consulting sessions because I realized that I know a lot about travel in, in my industry, and I need to start charging for what I'm talking about. And so then I have a consulting. So if you want to book some time to talk about travel, I'll help you, you know, figure out your trip if you if you're concerned about, you know, traveling solo or mm-hmm. traveling with a group or anything like that. That was another way I was able to monetize. So it kind of was a progression of different things and listening mm-hmm. to my audience and figuring out what they wanted to know and then also, you know, conducting boot camps and workshops that are live and then you pay to join and then, you know, packaging that stuff up and then you know, creating a bundle out of it. So yeah, just scaling. And then as far as my coaching business is concerned, um, I, I think one thing with coaching or consulting is you definitely have to get rid of money blocks, which I, I know a lot of us have is like, you know, maybe I'll charge this much because I don't want people to think I'm too expensive. But I mean, you know more about a subject Than most other people, and that's why folks are coming to you. And so, you have to pay to play, you know. And that's just kind of what my business coach has told me is that you are worth it, you're valuable. But the way that you start is ridding yourself of money blocks because a lot of times we, you know, have this fear of money or losing out on money or, you know, holding on to money and, and bills and loans and different things like that. And we could talk about this forever, but you definitely have to. You know, reprogram your mind to look at money very differently. Mm-hmm. And especially in the, I would say, in the black community, we have been programmed to think about money oh, a certain it's way. It's so
0: weird. It's so weird. Like, Absolutely. Say if you want to do, okay, I charge $50 an hour to consult on traveling. You're like, oh, heck no. Nah. Heck no. Nah. 50 for what? But you don't realize... I'm gonna I'm save you thousands of dollars during this fifty dollar call. Absolutely, but we're not thinking like we say fifty dollars. Like what, girl? I can go. I'm gonna look on these websites, these free websites. I'm gonna look on this. You spend hours and hours of your time and researching, you're trading researching time
1: for money. Like you could have just spent the fifty or hundred bucks or whatever and got all the information that you needed in one place, and you sp- saved yourself time, stress because you really don't have the time you don't. to spend there for hours. You know, when you could be doing something else. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But absolutely. And especially in our community, we are like, oh, I don't want to pay 50 or 100 dollars or a couple thousand dollars to get the information right in my hands so you try to do it on your own and end up getting overwhelmed and you just give up right mm-hmm. or but you you will definitely spend those 50, 100 or thousands of dollars on things like Jordans and weave and whatever and i'm not judging cuz i wear weave myself ladies so i'm not judging in that pres- you know in that respect but it's all about priorities and mm-hmm. i think a lot of times um, the way that we think about money is very differently from you know our other brothers and sisters who think about money in a different way yeah. so
0: um and I, and I will preface and i know and me and me and rachel are on the same accord um i definitely when we talk about this in the show we've said and i'm we're i'm coming from a, and we're both coming from a mind frame of people's ideologies with money not more so belittling our community because there's some people like like rachel like myself and i know a lot of others that they'll go to a conference they'll spend a thousand dollars on a conference whatever so it's not it's not we're not coming at, at black people in general It just Certain people have mindsets and blocks, and and I definitely like your, your your thoughts on that charging block. Like, oh, I don't want to charge too much or whatever. Because guess what? There's seven billion people on this earth, really. Seven so, billion. Seven billion plus. So if one person like I oh, can't afford you, no, whatever. Like, keep your price there because if you're putting out good content and adding true value, somebody's gonna be like, hundred dollars. Oh, that's nothing. Okay, I got you. Right. Just wait Absolutely. for that one person. Don't don't try to get because you know, and we can talk it on a day. We're gonna switch it, but if you get these people that's gonna do ten dollars or fifteen, they gonna bring ten or fifteen dollars worth of effort.
1: Absolutely, <laughs> and worth of information. So <laughs> you, you like I said, you pay to play. Um, you either can pay and get quality, or you can just keep paying for ten dollars things and get ten dollars information or products or services, whatever you wanna call it. Amen.
0: And then, I, and I'm, I'm sending shots out here to these students i'm sorry because i go speak at a lot of universities schools and whatnot and all, a lot of people reach out to me greg you got five to seven thousand dollars of you, um people coming to your blog or you're getting these but whatever how do i do i want to do what you do i want to do what you do and i'm and i'm and i'm thinking i'm I'm looking out for them so i'm like okay man here's my car. hit me up bro i got you bro i gotta I answer mm-hmm. all your questions and whatnot Man, they'll reach out to me. They'll miss the meeting. They'll say, oh, something came up or whatnot. And I'm Absolutely. like, I'm preparing. Like, this is me. I, I am busy. I'm I'm preparing at length. Tutorials. I'm going in like, okay, I'm looking at their brand, giving them ideas and suggestions, and they missed it. They dropped the ball. They yep. just don't. They just don't care. These are students. I'm like, I'm trying to look out for them because they students. But I have to realize, like, no, I don't care who you are outside of my mama or my close, close friends. You <laughs> want some time and you're asking some advice. I have to charge you because if not, you're going to disrespect me for the most part. <laughs>
1: right, you don't respect my time. But when people are investing, um, and again, it's a psychological thing When you're investing, and you're investing an amount. That is not fifty bucks worth of information, but you're really, really investing. You're going to take your investment serious. If you pay twenty bucks for something, you're like, uh, I may or may not show up. It was just twenty dollars, but if you're if you're really going for the gold, then you like, look, I put aside a couple hundred, a couple thousand, whatever you know, for whatever service or product you're paying for. I need to show up and I need not respect their time and they need not disrespect my time and, and show up with quality, valuable information. So I absolutely, absolutely agree. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just something that, you know, like I said, people need to realize in, in general mm-hmm. when it comes to money, when it comes to pricing, when it comes to do, doing business.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about the importance of of coaching and leveling up. And I think sometimes um, some entrepreneurs, we read a glass ceiling. I know I've reached a glass ceiling where I need coaches and people that know the system. So can you speak on it real quick? How when you reached like a a glass ceiling said, oh, man, I need to do something. How coaching, getting a coach or or even that aspect of finding a coaching um, has helped you kind of change your business.
1: Absolutely. Um, Like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, it's always. In order to level up, you have to study and work with the people, or get mentors, or read books of people who has who have done it and who's doing it and who's doing it better than you. Um, and I just realized I was at a point where one, you can't scale a business, you cannot grow a business on free tools.
0: <laughs> um and I, you know,
1: initially I was trying to do everything free, like get the free version of MailChimp, get the free version of this, and just seeing how it goes. You honestly have to invest in your business, whether it's tools, software, um, interns, assistants, and you have to invest in yourself personally, um, reading books and getting a coach. And for me, I got to the point where I'm like, all these free tools are, are allowing me to grow at a snail's pace. Or I believe um, it was you who said this, like, you're moving, but you're not progressing. Mm-hmm. And I just got tired. I felt like I was almost putting myself in a hamster wheel. Like, I'm moving, but I'm not going anywhere because I'm not really, I'm kind of scared to invest, right? And so I was like, in order for me to really invest, I need to hire someone who's doing it and who's doing it better than me or who's done it and who's done it better than me. And I think a lot of times, too, people think, you have to reach out to someone who is like ten steps ahead of you. Mm-hmm. You really just need to work with somebody who is a step or two ahead, yeah. of you, right? <laughs> um, you don't have to go from zero to hundred real quick because you're just gonna run out of gas real quick. <laughs> so you need Ooh, to I like go.
0: Oh, I'm gonna use that. in those... <laughs> I like that. I'm gonna give you credit. I like that one though.
1: Thanks. Just quote me, okay? Um, but you need to work with somebody who is a level or two ahead of you, right? And because they've already done it, they Have the lessons learned? They they've done it. They failed, and who can work with you and give you the blueprint and really motivate you and really help you? And so I ended up hiring um, a business coach. Her name is Ariel, and she's super awesome. And you know she's spiritual, and you know all the things that you and you have to make sure you work with somebody who is aligned with your vision and who Mm -hmm. believes in the same things that you believe in and all that great stuff. Um, so just working with her and you know the best way to do this or different tools to you know look for certain type of information and basically not even shortcuts but just getting straight to the information versus how we mentioned before instead of me saying I don't want to pay, You know, a couple thousand or a thousand dollars or a couple hundred dollars to for your service or your product. I'll do it myself, but you're just wasting so much time trying to do that. And that was another thing I did in the first year of my business is trying to do everything on my own, like just doing the research. I don't want to pay fifty bucks to get my website done. Fifty dollars is nothing compared to hours that you're spending trying to figure out, you know, how to connect plugins and what looks good and whatever just pay the 50 a couple hundred dollars to somebody who knows how to put it together or something or who is an expert and who could just get it done for you or who can show you the way so um just yeah investing getting a coach someone who is a couple levels ahead of you who can just really get you to where you need to go so um Man. yeah it's all about investing in yourself and continue to invest in yourself you know, even after I'm finished working with my business coach or if someone's working with me and they're finished working with me, continue to grow, like continue to read, continue to listen to podcasts, get another type of coach who can help you level up in a different area, whether it's a life coach, whether it's a finance you know coach. finance coach or anything like that. Just continue to, to work with other people and read other resources that's going to help you to grow.
0: Let's get to it. Travel, travel, travel. Okay, because I'm new. And you, I, I can be like the, the avatar um, for a lot of the <laughs> audience because I haven't traveled that much. And a lot of times, I mean, for me right now, it's just not a priority. But where do we start? I want to travel for free. Or just, just kind of walk us through for novice travelers. Um, uh, okay, where, 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 where do I find, like, how do I travel on a budget? Um, how do I go about traveling alone or with a group? Um, mm-hmm. Give us a travel one-on-one real quick.
1: So really quick, if you want to travel internationally and you have a very limited budget, there's two things that you have to remember. If you want to go international, but you want to do it inexpensively and authentically, I like to add in authentic, right, is be open to your dates. So when you're able to go and be open to the destinations. I know a lot of times we have these lists of these dream places that we want to go to. For example, one of my dreams was to travel to Australia. I had the opportunity to spend the new year in Australia. However, Australia is not the cheapest place to travel, especially from the States. A flight is easily upward of $1,200 and up, right? And that's an economy. We're not even talking business class because I looked at business class And it was like fifteen, either business or first class was fifteen thousand dollars. Okay, so you have to be open um, to your dates and to your destinations. And I say that because, for example, in November of last year, I was able to go to Bogota, Colombia, which was not necessarily the one of the top ten destinations on my list of places I want to see. Right, but I was able to fly there round trip for one hundred and seventy six dollars, and The four days that I spent there, I only spent $130, and that included my hotel, included salsa dancing, included eating, tours, our cabs, everything, right? So, and I actually have a post. If you go to racheltravels.com, I believe the name of it is how I did Bogota for $126. Mm So check it out if you're interested. But the two tools that I would say to look at, and they're some of my favorite tools on how to find um, inexpensive places to travel is number one, is my number one favorite is Google Flights. It's www.google.com com slash flights or something like that but just type in google flights it'll come up Mm -hmm. and i like google flights because you're able to put in your current location so for example if i put in atlanta and then um if you just click there's like a a, um, a map that comes up you can click that map and it'll show you all the places in the whole world where you can go if you plug in some dates um where you can go For cheap. So it'll have like uh, Rio on there, how much it costs to go to Rio right now, or how much it costs to go to Mexico City or to Paris or whatever. So I like looking at that. If you have some time you just want to play around with the tool, you can see where you can go for cheaply, Mm -hmm. uh, for inexpensively. And also, skyscanner.com has a similar type of technology where you can type in your current location and you can put in there in the next. Like it'll say from, and then to, and you put under two, you could put everywhere. And so it'll literally give you everywhere you want to go, um, in the world. And then when it comes to, um, the dates, you can choose cheapest month, which is great because if you want to go inexpensive, you just choose the most inexpensive month, or you can choose a month where you're able to go. So if you're a teacher, obviously, summers may be best for you. So if you want to put in July 2016, and you put in everywhere, and you click it. Then it'll show you all the cheapest places from Atlanta to everywhere in the world during July 2016. And then from there, you can pick places that you want to go. And then you also can do it both in Google flights and in Skyscanner. But if you want to do Caribbean or Eastern Europe or Asia, Thailand, you can narrow it down and you can see the cheapest months or the you know cheapest destinations Mm -hmm. so that's why i say stay open and be flexible with your dates and destinations if you want to go somewhere now if you have your your mind set on going to say um to thailand then you can set up alerts in both of those um systems to kind of get alerted when there's a cheap deal Mm -hmm. so i would definitely say start there play around with those tools Um, And that way you can book a cheap flight last minute. Like I said, I saw the flight to go to Columbia for 176. I'm like, I'm definitely going next weekend. Why not? You know, and I went over a weekend. I left on a Friday morning and I returned on, I believe, like a Tuesday morning or Mm. something like that or a Monday night. So you could just take off one day from work, you know, or a day from work and, and still have a whole weekend in another country.
0: The next step, what do you do when you get there? Like, you, you, you're you about to speak on the, the travel authentically. So, okay, we got the flight. We're mm-hmm. novice. Now I'm here. What do I do?
1: So, I would definitely say if you want to travel, if you want to stay somewhere authentically, I am a huge fan of Airbnb. No one can ever talk bad to me about Airbnb because I utilize them almost everywhere that I go. Um, I've stayed in in luxury five bedroom condos in Dubai. I've stayed in a suite or like a luxury suite condo in, in Rio um, different things like that. And I love Airbnb because you can have all kinds of experiences. You can rent a mansion, you can rent a van um, you can rent an, ig- an igloo <laughs> or you can just get like a, you know, like a, an a apartment or a house or, you know, anything like that. So I like Airbnb If you want to have that authentic feel, obviously, if you want to do hotels, there's plenty of aggregators out there like booking.com. But I would say if you want the most authentic experience and the more inexpensive experience, opt for Airbnb because you can choose the type of accommodations, your style. You can read reviews. And if you want luxury, you can have luxury. If you want um, budget savings, you can have that And you kind of cut out the middleman as far as hotels are concerned Mm -hmm. with, you know, all the different fees that they charge and the percentages and stuff. With Airbnb, you're working from host to guest. Um, And there's like a small fee that Airbnb takes, but it's really not that bad.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. And as far as things to do, um, you can just do like a quick Google search. I like to search. um, One thing I like to do is top 10 places to see in insert city. Mm -hmm. Right. And then you'll get plenty of blogs that come up about different things that you have the opportunity to see. And another thing I like to do is look up free walking tours. So you can also search free walking tours in Toronto, in New York, in Philadelphia. And a lot of big cities have free walking tours where you can um, do a tour of the city and you just have to tip the guide at the end. But I really like doing that because you'll see a lot of pockets of the city that you normally wouldn't see on your own and typically the guy will give you some really great information on you know where to go clubbing or if you like dancing at night or places to eat that are really good but really inexpensive or what the local drink is or you know what some authentic local experiences so I always like um doing
0: those as well i know this is pretty high level for a lot of you like okay cool if you want more in-depth things and on her blog she has a lot of a lot of gems like i was just reading this earlier this morning the ultimate guide to avoiding the most common travel scams and i was like people this is this is like the broken meter the attractions closed child beggars um how to avoid them like the scam the group photo scam i didn't know that people they'll take your phone to get a group picture and then charge you for the picture like Yep. And then the the hotel wake up call. Like when people will call a phone and in middle in whatever you're at and they'll ask for credit card information. And if you don't if you're not aware, you just give it to them like oh it's the hotel calling, but that's not the hotel. Right. So the hotel of-
1: will never ask you for your information over the phone. You mm-hmm. typically have that you give that information up front, either online when you booked it or when you leave is when you typically pay, you know, for the time that you stayed there. So if anybody else is asking for any kind of credit card information, then don't give it to them.
0: Mm. Ever,
1: ever, 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 ever.
0: Even little things like, you know, this is, this is gems from her blog. And she keeps it. I love her blog. She keeps it a thousand. Restaurant staff, like when you give somebody your card in the third world country and they just take it, you never know what they're doing back in the car. Yeah, <laughs> like you. Know, but if you're not new to this, you're thinking it's America. And you're like, oh, here's my visa. Boom. They're like, oh, thank you. And you're like, it's been ten minutes. Like, what's going on? And you see all these random charges come. Like, carry cash. And this is all stuff. Like, this is next level for you, next level people out there that are interested in traveling and doing research. When I bring a guest on the show, not only okay, this is a dope podcast. Go on the website. Go on the blog because, and we have, I'm gonna have all the links in the show notes for all these things because there's some amazing free content out here to get you on top of the game so that's all we probably going to give y'all on the travel tip right now and we're going to go to our last round which is the future round and what's next for you for the remainder of 2016
1: so 2016 is already starting to be amazing and just leveling up. And I I remember you said this, um, I believe it was on your Snapchat, which I love watching every morning because I know we're both up super duper early. Mm -hmm. But you were saying to level up 1% every day. And so I've just seen the fruits of that just in 2016 alone, I've had the opportunity to go to three countries already. Um, I am on your podcast, which is absolutely amazing. I'm so honored to be here. I have a speaking engagement this week. I have a couple, actually a couple speaking engagements um, already lined up through the summertime. And being you know, invited to a couple large publications. So, 2016 is looking really, really good. I have some sponsor trips already um, in place, and if you guys aren't familiar with sponsor trips, is technically a tourism board from a different country or city will reach out to you and say, "Hey, can you come visit us? And we'll show you the city, and we'll pay you for doing it." So, God is good in that respect. So, yeah, 2016 is looking really, really good um, for my travel blog and also for coaching, um, getting that off the off the ground and offering it publicly versus just, you know,
0: by word of mouth now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah,
1: you know, through the grapevine and word of mouth, um, offering my services um, to the masses now. So, I'm really excited for the new year. I can't believe it's almost March. I feel like the new year was yesterday. So, mm-hmm. everything's looking really good. I, I'm really grateful and you know, show gratitude every day and thankfulness and just try to be valuable as much as possible um, mm. to the people that, you know, I'm I'm looking to uh, inspire.
0: Got you. Got you. Who do you look up to and uh, who are your mentors currently?
1: So one of my mentors is Her name is Sabrina. I'm not going to say her last name because she'll probably kill me. But it's funny the way I met Sabrina because she actually reached out to me on my Facebook page. And a lot of people send me emails and reach out to me asking questions. But something about her was just like super interesting. She um, went to the same university as I did. And she um, has her PhD and she talks a lot about travel and the black diaspora, which is something that obviously with my blog, the majority of my audience are, um, um, black travelers and urban travelers. Um, so just one conversation with her and we hit it off and everything that I ever had questions about as far as life, as far as business, she was always able to answer and keep it a hundred percent real with me. Um, And I think that's important in having a mentor is someone who loves you, but they're going to be honest and transparent about what areas you need improvement in and, and um, areas that you can, um, you know, do differently and resources that will help you to be better than what you already are. Mm -hmm. So Sabrina is, is super awesome. And then as far as who I look up to, to be honest, I don't look up to like, not saying that I don't look up to them, but it's not any celebrity or high profile individuals. There's um, a family called the Johnson family. I actually interviewed them on my blog, but they are a young black couple and they have two children and they make it a priority for family travel. And I absolutely love this family because they are spiritually rooted family and they make sure that they are exposing their children to the world. So they travel to Costa Rica, they've been to Brazil, to India, to Australia, everywhere that they can go. And they talked about on the interview how they're able to travel with their family of for and how it's not expensive and how, you know, there's ways that you can cut back by getting a place where there's a kitchen and you can cook meals versus eating out and finding travel deals and making sure, you know, just all these different things. So I really look up to this family because like I said, they're a spiritually rooted family and they make um, traveling and exposing their children and exposing their family to the world. And there's also another couple called. Um, Cool Young History, and both of these um, families are um, on on social media, but Cool Young History is a young black married couple. I'm um, good friends with the wife of Mira, um, but they got married and went on an indefinite honeymoon. And so I really wow. look up to them because they have been traveling. It's been, I want to say, over two years at this point. A two-year honeymoon. And, it, and they're going to keep going until they just decide not to, but they, they work? you know, Well, so here's the thing. This is why I love this couple because they do work and they they talk about ways that they are able to travel and continue to travel. The husband is an artist, so he's able to do a lot of artwork and sell it online and sell it to people and do things um, within the cities that they move around to. And they move around every couple months. So I believe right now they're in Malaysia. They were in Morocco. They spent time in England, in Panama, in South America. Um, and then the wife is a writer, and they have e courses, and they do consulting, and they do they manage um, bed and breakfasts when they need to. So I really, really admire them because they went against the grain. Amira had an amazing job as well. She quit her six-figure salary to travel with her husband. So I really look up to the Johnson family and to Cool Young History because they, you know, show that you don't have to go by the constraints of what society says you have to do. You don't have to be a black family and say, we can't travel because it costs too much. You can make some sacrifices and save up for it. And with the Johnson family, they say, you know, we save up for it. We have a fund where we put money in this fund so we can have a family trip once or twice a year. You know what I mean? And with mm-hmm. Cool Young History, they they said, okay, well, we'll quit and we'll just travel and we're going to figure it out as we go. And that's what they've done. Right. So I look up to them. I would absolutely um, recommend that you look, um, look into. Wait, I hope you can edit this out. Yeah. <laughs> I hope that you, um, I definitely recommend that you you know find these people on social media and really look into their stories. It's super awesome. Um, I actually interview both the Johnson family and Cool Young History on my blog. So if you just go to racheltravels.com dot com, under. Um, Um, reflections and under interviews you will find both of their stories there
0: oh man definitely definitely that'll be in the show notes I didn't even know that was impossible two year indefinite honeymoons I learned something new every day I love it (laughs) the the last question in this round is how do you want to be remembered when it's all said and done I I hate to get I I, I always hold up hold up I gotta I gotta I gotta gotta pause I gotta I hate to go zero to a hundred because I know we're, we're excited, we're traveling, we're going d- indefinite honeymoons. We're talking about a lot of great stuff, but to, to to get to the to the to the spot, when it's all said and done, how do you want to be remembered?
1: When it's all said and done, I want to be remembered as a woman who went against what the design. Of my life was supposed to be according to what society said, according to what people wanted for me and had a desire and knew I deserved to live a life of purpose and filled with purpose and um, walking and living in purpose and going against everything that I was supposed to do and doing it the way that I wanted to do it and the way that God had me to do it. I want to be known as someone who took risks. And stay faithful and was able to see the fruits of my labor and the fruits of my sacrifice and was able to, you know, inspire others to do the very same thing, to live in purpose and live the life that you want, the life that you desire and the life that you that you deserve.
0: Perfect. Perfect. And Thank you. And now we're transitioning to the last round, the most exciting round, the culture change round where I ask a series of five questions and you're just going to give me your, your best answer. All right, you ready?
1: I'm going to have to be. <laughs> I'm ready.
0: <laughs> what is the best piece of advice that you've ever received?
1: Wow. I would say the best piece of advice that I've ever received is, um, I'm not sure if this goes back to the quote, but oh no, no, no. I, I would say it's this. Whenever you feel like you're having a breakdown, you're on your way to a breakthrough. Mm-hmm. And I have to remind myself of that. Um, some days when I'm like completely discouraged and overwhelmed, I just know that on the other side of it is gonna come my breakthrough. And when I started thinking that way and just saying, you know what, this is a part of the process. That's when that's that keeps me motivated and that keeps me kind of holding on is it's not a breakdown. It's your only way to a breakthrough. That's the best piece of advice that um, I've ever received.
0: Mm, great answer. What is one of your personal habits that you can attribute to your success?
1: Um, one of my personal habits that I contributed to my success is learning about productivity in time, and stop trading um, my my time for work, and start trading time for money. Um, and I wake up very early in the morning, and so I use that time early in the morning to dedicate to you know reading the word, and to journaling, and to sitting still and writing intentions and things like that, which I think helps me form my day and keeps me level headed. And gives me visions and goals to complete for the day. So I would say waking up early and getting to work, starting with the spiritual work and then getting into the the business work. Um, I said those are probably like the personal personal habits. And then learning how to be productive with my time um, and stop just stop moving and start progressing. So stop, you know, just doing little bitty things when you can allow other people to do it.
0: Amen. What is your favorite book and why? So
1: I read a lot. So I read about four books a month. Mm -hmm. And so it was really hard for me to like, when I read the question, I was like, wow, my favorite book. I don't really have a favorite, but I can tell you two books that I read at the very beginning of every year. Mm -hmm. And one of them is called The Game of Life and How to Play It. I'm going and the lady who wrote it, her name is Florence. Chival, Shovel, or something like that. But her first name was Florence, so look that up. I'm going to warn you guys that it was written in the 1920s. So the, the words are very archaic and old, and it's kind of hard to decipher some of it, but I really like the book because it, it gives you like the, the rules and the game of like the rules of life. And I believe you said is like where yeah. life is about playing chess, like moving the right pieces on the board mm-hmm. and knowing the rules and how to play the game. And it's not like a, a bad thing, but just how to keep your mind in, in the game. And she uses a lot of, um, examples from the Bible and how Jesus said certain things and you know how that relates to the game of life and then i also like reading the alchemist or listening to the alchemist um i just do like the audio book of it but i really really like listening to the alchemist um at the beginning of every year because it just puts things into perspective for me
0: Mm. love it love it love it and those books will be in the show notes what inspires you and keeps you motivated the most
1: What inspires me and keeps me motivated the most is, I would say, the desire not to go back to corporate America. Um, But in all seriousness, seriousness, um, just having the freedom to live the life that I've always wanted to live keeps me inspired. Um, When I travel, I always come back with so much clarity and so much creativity. And I just love being in that space where I'm constantly inspired and constantly Um, have this creativity and able to give the information that comes to me to everyone else. Um, So that keeps me inspired and keeps me motivated. Another thing that keeps me inspired is when people are emailing me and telling me like, You know how they went through something similar and you know i've inspired them to you know do something that is a little bit more enjoyable for them or how they never you know wanted to travel before or was too scared to travel or you know whatever it relates to traveling and how you know i've inspired them to travel so that also makes me feel like okay I'm working in purpose. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. So that definitely helps me stay motivated, even in the toughest times where I'm the most challenged and the most overwhelmed. It reminds me that, you know, there are people who are rooting for me. So that definitely keeps me um, motivated as well.
0: Great answer. Again, you're killing it. You're killing it. Last question of this round: <laughs> if you were the president of the United States, <laughs> what is the first thing you would do?
1: The first thing I would do is eradicate student loans and make healthcare free um, for everyone. Um, especially you traveling, you see a lot of countries healthcare is free, education is free, and I'm not gonna say necessarily free. You you pay for it um, in your taxes, but at least you know your taxes go to like premium healthcare and getting an education and all that stuff. So I would probably say you know getting rid of those crazy student loans because I feel like that's what's holding a lot of people back. Like, I know people who are in their 40s still paying for student loans, you know? And, and that's just, like, crazy to me. Over 20 years worth of paying for an, an education, you know, that you should be able to be educated, especially in a country such as this. So getting rid of those student loans, making education free, and making healthcare free, I think would be pivotal.
0: Love. Of love that and now the last question as ron has done the last question of the episode which is a very serious question and i i, I call myself the culture change agent because we're, we're all, and, and honestly you're a culture change agent and everybody's that been on the show is a culture change agent and if you're listening to this podcast you're probably a culture change agent because you know this is a long podcast all my podcasts are very long and people i love i yeah 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 so this question <laughs> if you could change one thing about society most specifically, our African-American culture, what would it be and why?
1: If I could change one thing um, about African-American culture specifically, I would say to be open to more experiences versus material things. And I say that because... We all have heard the statistics that the African-American community spends a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of money on material things, which I, like the next person, likes nice things or whatever. But I think if we were more invested in experiences, we would see things a lot differently. Um, and I say that from the perspective of financially, that you'll see that there's people a lot happier in this world with a tenth of a percent of the things that we have. Um, I I think that would be very helpful. And then also as far as, you know, the racial tensions that we experience here in America, if just being open to traveling, you'll see that you're welcome with open arms in most countries in the world. I think that would be something um, pivotal within the African American culture. So I would definitely say just being open to experiences, traveling experiences specifically, and it doesn't have to be necessarily super international experiences but just experiencing you know fine dining experiencing wine tasting and, and painting and you know hiking and different things that um you know te- you know stereotypically we aren't necessarily doing a a lot of mm-hmm. um those would probably be the things that i would say i would change oh, within man. our culture
0: love that. that's a great answer and honestly this has been a phenomenal phenomenal interview it really has
1: thank you so much for having me
0: for our, for for anybody out there that has any questions about traveling and that has any questions about um entrepreneurship starting off with a blog we didn't even talk about your blog and views and, and and stuff like that where can we find you at where how can we contact what where, where are you at on the web and how can we get in contact with you
1: so if you want to contact me, you can always visit my travel blog. It's racheltravels.com. Rachel spelled R-A-C-H-E-L Travels with an S.com. You can shoot me an email at Rachel, Rachel at racheltravels.com. And if you want to visit me um, and talk a little bit more about hiring yourself, you can come to I hiredme.co that's dot c-o and you can email me at ready at ihiredme.co
0: well audience you have it so please 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 definitely shoot her shoot her a message if you like the podcast let her know add her on Instagram add her on on, on Twitter and definitely 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 and if you reach out via email tell her Greg he'll send ya so that's a wrap for this episode I'd like to thank each and everybody for tuning in To another episode of the Minority Trailblazer Podcast. And I want all of you to have an amazing night, morning, evening. Wherever you're listening to it, be amazing and do one thing, one thing, one thing. And you already know what that one thing is. What is that one thing, G-Hill? That is change the culture. Good night.